3: It's It's that that time 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 again. again. This is their year, man. Dodgers postseason baseball. And with the postseason comes the return of L.A.'s favorite Dodgers morning show. Fantastic. Here they come. This is Sacks and Cates in the morning. There was an awesome atmosphere at Dodger Stadium. With legendary Dodger Steve Sacks alongside Tim Cates. For those of you looking for Dan Patrick. Hello. You can find it streaming on the iHeartRadio app at AM570 L.A. Sports. Now, here they
0: are. Listen, listen up to them. Do it. Steve
3: Sachs and Tim Cates. Dodgers in an uncomfortable position on this Tuesday morning. Down 0-2 in the best of five in LDS. Good morning, Southern California. It's Sachs and Cates in the AM here on AM570 LA Sports all across Southern California from LA County to Ventura County to Orange County and the IE. We thank you for being with us on this Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening as the Dodgers... Now down 0-2 after losing last night, 4-2 to Zach Gallen in the Arizona Diamondbacks. I am Tim Cates, joined by two-time World Series champion, former Rookie of the Year, and one hell of a guy. He is Steve Sachs. Sachsie, good morning.
2: Good morning, Tim. How are you?
3: Um, I'm not doing well, Sachsie. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm a little off-hinged right now. I'm mm. uh, a little distraught at what I saw last night at Dodgers Stadium, having witnessed it with my own eyes last night. The crowd was ready to go. The crowd was waiting for a moment to get excited. This Dodgers team knew what was at stake down 0-1 after losing 11-2 to on Saturday. And last night, the offense was... Non-existent when they had opportunities and in multiple innings. The Dodgers starting pitching last night, failed them again early, putting them in a deficit. The only bright spot last night, Saxe, was the bullpen. They came in and for the most part put up zeros over a seven and a third innings outside of a solo home run to Gary L there in the sixth inning. But uh-huh. the Dodgers' bullpen played well, but nobody else showed up. And we'll hear from Dave Roberts here shortly. He was frustrated. I think a lot of people are frustrated
2: right now. Yeah, there's a lot of people frustrated. J.D. Martinez showed up. He you know, he, uh, he put some things up there to, to to cheer for. But this is a tough thing, and it just seems to be you know the same old thing with the Arizona club, is this team has not lost in postseason yet. They went in and they took care of Milwaukee in easy fashion. Uh, and then they're two and zero against the Dodgers. So unfortunately, right now this team is hot. I mean, you you beat them down pretty good during the regular season. You're eight and five uh, during the year, but then overall you beat them by sixteen games in the in the uh, in the you know in the divisional race. And just now, this team seems to be very hot, and it's really, you can point to the top of the order with, you know, Carroll and Marte and, mm-hmm. you know, Fam. These three guys are lighting it up, and it just seems like every time they get an opportunity, there's a run scored. they're knocking in runs, they're they're taking their walks and passing the baton to the next guy who's gladly there to, to help out. So right now, it's the top of the order for these D-backs. It's really a tough thing to overcome.
3: Last night, I had post-game responsibilities because David Vasse and the Dodgers, they flew out Immediately after the game to get to Phoenix, spent the night last night in the desert. We'll work out later today at Chase Field before game three tomorrow night there in the Phoenix greater area. But the consensus on Dodger talk last night was not a lot of Dodger fans are happy. And the most thing is they're not happy with this being the same thing every year this is the same record playing every single year for the dodgers it's like groundhog day with bill murray the same song keeps playing from sunny and share and he wakes up and he goes through the same thing every single day until he finally gets it right in his life but for the mm-hmm. dodgers getting it right means you are not winning three in a row but it's october and the offense is getting shut down the starting pitching is getting exposed it's just like last year, Saxy. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's 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 just uh, kind of like how these things go in cycles. And if you just do a straight comparison across the board, the top three hitters for Arizona were 5-for-12 with three runs scored and a bunch of walks, and the Dodgers were 1-for-12 with uh, no runs scored. And that's been the biggest difference if you do a straight comparison across the board as far as the offense is concerned. Arizona seems to do it and delegate it out throughout the lineup. And especially the top, the top three guys are you know what stir this drink for Arizona, and of course for the Dodgers, that's the way it's been throughout the course of the year as well. You got two guys that could be co MVPs with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, and those two guys just haven't gotten off the mark yet. And you know they're phenomenal players. <laughs> you know it doesn't it doesn't uh, put a shadow on the way I feel about these guys because it's crunch time and it's not happening. You know, it's a couple of games in, in their life. And, uh, you know, it's it's not the measure, I think. But I think you have to look at everything uh, in scope. And, you know, right now, this team isn't hot, and Arizona is.
3: We're also seeing across, you know, the postseason in baseball, starting pitching is what you need to have come in October. I mean, you go to Pablo Lopez in Minnesota, the way he shut down the, 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 you know, the Houston Astros, on Sunday, in that fashion, you look at Zach Wheeler. I know the Phillies lost last night, and mm-hmm. the Braves came back late, but Zach Wheeler was pitching phenomenal for six-plus innings. Had a no-hitter For six innings yesterday in Atlanta, Zach Gallon, what he was able to do last night in neutralizing the top of the lineup for the Dodgers, which includes Freeman and Betts and Muncy and outside of J.D. Martinez, nobody else did anything offensively. They had bad at-bats. They weren't doing what they usually do and, you know, taking good pitches and getting on base and passing it on to the next guy. We're seeing that across baseball right now in October, that bullpen games are great and they'll get you through. But eventually, you're going to have to have good starting pitching. Mm-hmm. And for the Dodgers, we knew this, Steve. We knew yep. this coming into this mm-hmm. series. The Dodgers were relying on rookies and a 35-year-old, tired, hurt, Clayton Kershaw at the end of his career.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's it's always going to be that way. And you're going to have innovation come throughout the sport as, you know, evolution happens in And uh, in everything. So you're going to have this great thing that, the you know, Tampa Bay really fashioned early on Mm -hmm. a few years ago. Hey, if we get, you know, we get the top of the order, not facing the, you know, the main pitcher first and then bring in the bulk pitching after they've seen after it's uh, been through the top of the order, maybe we can extend this thing out. And for the most part, it's worked. Some uh, You know, a lot of times it has worked. You know, they've gotten to the postseason on this theory. Before And pretty much it's been adopted throughout baseball is to not have that starter out there right away, not see him three times through the order. But I always believe that the people that invented this game were pretty darn smart way back when. And when you have starting pitching, you have guys that you can depend on all the time that can go out there and gobble up the innings and keep the other team at bay until – You get your strong bullpen in there. I think that's only going to be the best way that this is going to happen. But when you have injuries, when you have things happen and you don't have your horses out there, you have to ad-lib and uh that's great too because the dodgers can do that and they certainly have and they've got the guys to do it you know we don't have uh walker bueller we don't have julio urias we've got clayton kershaw that's a later on in his career yeah. and so you have to improvise and uh they've done a very very good job throughout the course of the season if you just look at the numbers and parse them out against uh, other guys throughout the league dodgers are right at the top of the heap they've done an excellent job at that the the, the thing is when you're under the microscope at this time of the year and one team is hot and the other one isn't it just it just magnifies everything so much and there's so many questions now and and it's uh it's almost not fair because it's it's a couple of games but it's when they count that's uh that's the main thing
3: if you weren't to know anything about the regular season and to watch these last two games between the Dodgers and Diamondbacks You would think the Diamondbacks were the team that ran away with the division. You would Mm -hmm. think, wow, look at this offense for Arizona with Marte and and Christian Walker and Corbin Carroll, who's going to be the rookie of the year in the National League. This offense is phenomenal. They've got starting pitching. And this Dodgers team, it feels like they just kind of put Band-Aids on it and kind of limped into the postseason or just glad to be here but have run out of gas. It's not the case. It's just... What the Dodgers hitting has not done in the first two games. Neutralized by Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. And on the flip side, it's the lack of starting pitching from this Dodgers team. Mm-hmm. Last night, it was Bobby Miller. We're going to hear from him coming up in just a couple of minutes. Because a lot of things went wrong for him last night. Including the fact that he couldn't get an off-speed pitch over the plate for a strike early on. And mm-hmm. they were teeing off on his fastballs. But one thing I do want to say is Dave Roberts. I-, I tipped my cap to him last night. He punched all the right buttons as far as the pitching yep. is concerned, going from Gratterall to Brazier to Joe mm-hmm. Kelly to Evan Phillips. They went seven and a third innings, allowed just one run over that and kept the Dodgers in the game. Mm-hmm. He made switches when they went from uh, Zach Gallant to a lefty out of the bullpen, and guys just didn't come through with hits. Mm-hmm. And, and last night, here he is, Dave Roberts, after the game. This is his post game with the media, everybody. And here, here's a little frustration in his voice. You could hear it from Dave Roberts on his team last night.
4: Uh, let's start with Bobby. What did you see from him, and what prompted you to pull him when you did?
1: You know, I just thought that, uh, you know, he wasn't sharp for me. Um, I thought he was getting behind. Um, and, you know, those guys saw a lot of pitches. And, uh, you know, where we were at tonight, being down 3-0 in the first inning, and then you look at that second inning and me recalling uh, the bat that Fam had on him, doesn't punch. And then the guy behind him, Walker, um, you know, really squared the ball up that first at bat. So it's just one of those I just felt you know, at that point in time, we couldn't afford to go down um, 4-0. And, uh, you know, I wanted to give our team a chance to extend the game and uh, felt that we could prevent runs, you know, for the duration of the game. Jim, Skipper, are you more frustrated or angry frustrated that you showed signs of trying to get back into the thing but but uh, but angry because of what happened at the end I wouldn't say angry Um, you know I I thought all night long we had pitch to hit and um, we just you know couldn't do much with them Um, you know once we got to their pen you know we had an opportunity we cashed in on one run and we could have had a chance for a big inning. Couldn't get the uh, the hit or the situational at bat. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's certainly fight. There always has been, but you know, it, it comes down to results too. Jack, Dave, just you guys obviously had a lot of opportunities in
5: the the latter innings. How did you feel about the quality of at bats when guys were on base? And did the pressure start to mount once you missed one opportunity and then another and then another in, in some of those innings?
1: Um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't love the. Uh, the the pitch selection um you know there were some balls out of the zone and there were some uh borderline balls or pitches that you know we offered at that you know we didn't give ourselves a chance to get into counts and so you know i saw you know some expansion uh some pitches that were pitchers pitches that we we offered at um so yeah i mean it's just kind of that's just uh what i saw and um we had opportunities but you know when you get opportunities you got it you got to cash in
5: can you pinpoint why mookie and freddie have gotten off to a slow start as they have this series and sort of how they're attacking them what they can do to be more productive
1: um you know I i think that um i think freddie's taking good swings uh he barreled two balls last night um you know uh mookie i think is just one of those i think he's um expanding a little bit. You know, he's really good at controlling the strike zone and, and hitting his pitches, but I think uh, the first couple games, it seems more that he's uh, being aggressive on, on pitchers' pitches. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say chasing, but but not really hitting the – swinging at the pitches that, you know, he can slug. And uh, so – You know, obviously everything's more magnified. It's two games, but, uh, you know, our backs are against the wall. So, um, you know, we got to make some type of adjustments, and um, we have no more margin.
3: All right, there's Dave Roberts' postgame last night, Saxie. He's not a guy that's going to get angry and yell and throw things, maybe like Tommy did back in the day. Mm -hmm. But last night, for him to say that, his disappointment and his frustration with the quality of at-bats – and it's not what they did during the regular season, chasing pitches out of the zone, helping out Zach Gallen, chasing pitches against the Arizona bullpen last night. Is it the fact that they get to the postseason and maybe we get a little tight come October baseball? I don't understand the the, the change in approach from this Dodgers hitting, you know, from, from the lineup last night from Freddie Freeman to, to James Altman. It just looked like guys were lost up there. I mean, was it, is that is that a tip of the cap to Arizona, or is that the Dodgers' fault? Uh, it's,
2: you know, I hate that answer when people say, that's eh, a little of both because mm-hmm. that's a safe answer, but that's that's kind of where it is right now. Uh, when you talk about chasing, man, I did that all the time. <laughs> I would chase <laughs> balls out of the zone. I would try to, you know, really lay off of that slider in the dirt. That's the one that really hampered me, and, and I can see that happening. Sometimes you saw Freddie Freeman trying to not chase – and on a two-strike pitch, they threw a really hard curveball that was started way up in the zone. He changed the eye angle of Freddie, and he got him looking uh, at a strike three pitch. And and so it's like, well, if, if I chase that pitch and it's a fastball, it's not going to look good at all. But he took it, and it was a strike three because it bended down and it was a curveball. So it's tough. I mean, you're not making excuses. That's, that's what baseball is. But one thing I wanted to point out that really nobody's been talking about right now, you and I haven't talked about it yet, And you don't hear it on postseason, but I want to point out something right now that's a difference maker. And it's very seems to be an almost insidious attack on the Dodgers because it's subtle. It's creeping up for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's the fact that the Arizona Diamondbacks have got a fantastic defense, a marvelous defense. This was the best defensive team in all of the National League. They only committed 56 errors, and I think it's the best in all of Major League Baseball. We saw the ending ending double play in the eighth inning that thwarted a possible rally. You saw the Great catch off the bat of Kike uh, Hernandez by uh, Guriel in left field, who's not known as the, you know the necessarily the greatest fielder, but boy, it seems to infect everybody on that team. Um, they're very athletic. Our Ketel Marte in the center of the diamond, there playing second base, is very athletic. You saw what Corbin Carroll can do in the outfield, how he can go get it. This is a very athletic team. You got a goal Glover at first base with Christian Walker. This is a really good defensive team, and and it's kind of like. A thorn that you don't really see, or you don't notice it that much mm-hmm. because they do it with such uh, effortless manner. And this is a tremendous club uh, on that side of the ball that is not gonna, it's not gonna hit its uh, bite itself in the in, in the in the behind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This team is yeah. not going to beat itself because they're great defensively.
3: And last night they got great defense, they got timely hitting, they got Corbin and Carroll, who's a hitting machine and an absolute stud, and they had their horse going last night. In Zach Gallen, on the flip side, Bobby Miller goes. And we talked about it all morning long yesterday, Saxy. 24-year-old. He's got the makeup. He's got the moxie on the mound. He looks the part. He's been great through 22 starts during the regular Mm -hmm. season. Wasn't afraid of the Braves in his first start at Truist Park back in May. Wasn't afraid of the Giants. Wasn't afraid of the Braves again late in September. I mean, this is a guy who's not afraid of the moment. And Mm -hmm. last night, he faced a little adversity, got into trouble last night. And the biggest thing I saw... And Rick Monday talked about it on our air last night during the game as well. He threw 52 pitches over an inning and two-thirds. 28 for strikes. He threw 15 breaking balls, sliders, curveballs. Only four of them were for strikes, and the Diamondbacks swung at only two of those. Hmm. They were not chasing his off-speed pitches. As soon as they read spin, off-speed, they were taking. Yeah. They, They weren't chasing because... Look, I mean, the numbers don't lie. Through 15 of them, only four were strikes. 11 of them were out of the strike zone. Mm-hmm. And when you go back and look at them, they weren't even close. Yeah, he, yeah. he Low part of the zone, starting low in the zone, going towards the ground. Will Smith's having to backhand the ball. They weren't even close. And with that being said, Sexy, you know as a hitter, if you don't have to worry about the off-speed pitches because he can't locate them, mm-hmm. you're sitting fastball. And right. when he's pumping 99, you are teeing off. Yeah,
2: exactly, Tim. And... You, you know he threw some really good you know breaking pitches with two strikes on the count that were just out of the zone and those pitches are meant to be thrown that way mm-hmm. because if you have an aggressive hitter up there and for the most part this team's aggressive in their zone that we're starting to see more and more and we're talking about Arizona of course um that pitch is designed to go out of the strike zone that pitch is designed to hit just above the ground and them to swing over it and miss it but these guys weren't offering at that this is like another level up that you're thinking, geez, they're not gonna even swing at a really good breaking ball that I throw with two strikes because you have to protect the plate, you have right. to expand a little bit. They're not even doing that, they're wow. spitting on that pitch. And I'm going like, wow. I'm watching this game last night and I'm thinking, I would have swung at that pitch because you gotta protect the plate. Right. These guys are uber confident and they're just they're just spitting on it. But when you're in a situation you got a leadoff walk, you got a bunt single. Uh, and a base hit that loaded the bases before the first out was even recorded. Yeah. Man, you're you're starting from a real tough deficit on a really disciplined club.
3: Here's Bobby Miller after the game last night. Certainly disappointed in his performance and the outcome. Here he is.
5: Obviously, I didn't do a good job of working through it today. Um, I mean, mentally, I felt fine out there. Physically, is probably the best I've ever felt. Um, it's a good thing and a bad thing when you feel that good. You know, I kind of just get a little too jumpy out there and Cause the command to be a little worse
4: what were you seeing from them and just how they attacked you
5: um I mean I, c- I couldn't really see much because you know my off speed just wasn't really competitive today I mean I threw a couple good change-ups in there <coughs> uh, slider was wasn't really there today and just didn't do a good job of setting the tone today
1: as a result are you more frustrated or angry
5: um, both all the above um, you know, as a starter, especially after losing game one, you want to go out there and set a tone for your offense, get them in a good mood, and I didn't help the bullpen out either, and they did a great job getting my back. Because you and your teammates never dreamed you'd be in a hole like this. I mean, stuff happens, you know, um, but we're not done yet. So they still got to win another game, and I know we can do this.
1: Bobby, did you feel like maybe being overhand kind of caused a lack of feel for the secondary pitches?
5: Yeah, um, I don't really feel overamped, it was just physically it was the best I've ever felt and you know, it's just got a little too jumpy when I'm feeling that good. Just let it eat a little bit too much instead of <clears throat> slowing things down, you know.
0: Bobby, the leadoff batter walks, how hard is it to kind of get your mindset back to where it needs to be after that?
5: Yeah, um I mean it's the first batter of the game. I wasn't really worried about about that first walk, you know, I just flushed that flush that down the toilet, you know. Um just just on to the next batter. But um, there were just too many times I fell behind the count with my off-speed pitches, which caused them to be on time for the fastball.
3: Sexy, he said something there that's very interesting, and it was David Vazquez's question about the, the nerves get to you? Maybe that's why you are a little over-anxious and the off-speed mm-hmm. pitches wasn't working. And he said, no, maybe getting a little jumpy. Do you think mm-hmm. as a young guy, and they're not chasing your off-speed pitches, and maybe you're nibbling a little bit on the outside part of the zone, as you mentioned, and they're not swinging, and you're not getting those swing and misses, and you're not getting those chases early in the first two or three batters, it's not panic that sets in, but maybe kind of a little bit of, you know, the adrenaline starts going. And if you're a young pitcher and you've never been through this before, I wonder if Bobby Miller started to start to question about his stuff. And, oh, no, what, what I'm in trouble here. I'm on the ropes mm-hmm. a little bit. They're not doing what I thought they were going to do in the game plan. So let's just start pumping gas and see if I can blow by them.
2: Yeah, and and that becomes problematic because that's that's your last ditch effort was when you're pumping ched up there, and that's the new term. Pumping ched means you're throwing really hard. Pumping cheddar, <laughs> Uh and when you're doing that, and there's t and there's you know they're not getting fooled on that, and they're hitting it. Mm-hmm. See, the thing about major league hitters is the three components of pitching. There's you know velocity, uh, movement, and location, and the most talked about one that everybody seems to notice because of the jugs machines and the guns and all that mm-hmm. is the velocity. And they, they say, wow, this guy throws a hundred or 101. Right. And the thing about it is that's the least important because when they're throwing that hard, if the ball's straight, uh, and it's not in a good location, then they'll just turn up the dial and they'll hammer it. I mean, I don't care how hard they throw and pitchers know this. If they don't put the ball in a good location, uh, the major league hitters will time that up, and and they'll they'll hammer it. There's no question about it. The most the other two components, when you talk about movement and location, much more important. I feel as a hitter, and I think pitchers will tell you that too. Those two components are are where it's at. So if some people have a naturally straight fastball, you got to counter it with some of the off speed pitches that you have to get movement. But probably the most important is putting it where you want it. And most of the time, major league pitchers, I would say the good ones they can they can hit it right where they want within an inch uh probably eight out of ten times that's Mm -hmm. how good they are they're really really good and these guys are experts at being able to pinpoint that ball and when you lose some of that then now you're in waters where you're going oh my gosh now these guys i know they can tie me up and i'm gonna go with my best stuff but if this gets hit then then what do i do now you're under pressure to pinpoint that ball make it move because The element of velocity isn't going to be the saving grace Mm. if you can't put that ball where you want it.
3: He is Steve Sachs. I am Tim Cates. Thanks for being with us this morning as the Dodgers are down 0-2 in this best-of-five NLDS. We're taking your phone calls all morning long, your reaction, your disappointment, your feelings going into Game 3 tomorrow night as the Dodgers, in a must-win game or for a second straight season, they'll be out in the divisional round. 18 plus. Eventually the sun will rise we hope here in Southern California shine a little light here in L.A. and hopefully shine some light on this Dodgers offense which has been not good the first two games against the Arizona Diamondbacks the Dodgers starting pitching has been even worse Clayton Kershaw a third of an inning in game one on Saturday last night Bobby Miller an inning in two thirds gave him three runs four hits two walks and a strikeout through 52 pitches before Dave Roberts came out and turned it over to Bruce Dar Gratterall, who got the final out of the second-inning sacks. He, he ended up going two innings. He pitched the mm-hmm. third and the fourth and before Ryan Brazier came in, who pitched well for two and a third innings. Joe Kelly was able to get out of a couple of situations in an inning and two-thirds. Evan Phillips came in and pitched well. Overall, the Dodgers' bullpen, the only bright spot last night, they had Gratterall, Brazier, Kelly, and Phillips. Those four combined for seven and a third innings and give up one run. I mean, you can't ask much nope. more of those guys to put up zeros and keep you in a game. Keep it three to nothing. Keep it three to one. Keep it four to one as long as possible to give this offense, Saxy, with mm-hmm. apparently two MVP candidates in Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts who have yet to do anything.
2: Yeah, it, sh- it shows you It shows you kind of how the the game has changed and how everything is so magnified. Before, it used to be the guys in the middle of the bullpen were pretty much just mop-up guys that mm-hmm. you'd use – Uh, When somebody just needed a break, but now it's very strategic as you just laid it out with Gratterall, Gratterall, uh, Brazier, Kelly Phillips, and these guys on down the line really kept them at bay. But the second question would be if the Dodgers did continue and they were able to go deeper in postseason and get past this one, they got to win three straight. How much taxing is it going to take on the bullpen? Because they're kind of just getting ramped up now. When you have a lack of starting pitching, you got to lean on that bullpen. And then you have all these guys going in there, taking two innings, two in the third, you know, and inning in the third. Yeah. And you think, wow, what if one of these guys in that link just didn't have it and just blew it out? I mean, you can have a quick hook, you got to, and then let the next guy do it. But, boy, if you have one weak link in that chain of all these different pitchers, then that's when the bad things start happening. But hasn't been the case for the Dodgers. These guys are nails right now.
3: Clayton Kershaw, Bobby Miller, the two starters in the first two games of this NLDS. Here are their combined numbers. And this sort of sums up this problem for the Dodgers as far as preventing Arizona from scoring runs early. Two innings, 10 hits. Nine earned runs. Again, two innings combined, ten hits, nine earned runs, three walks, only one strikeout between Clayton Kershaw and Bobby Miller, Mm. and their combined ERA of 40.50, the worst worst starters ERA in the first two games of a series in MLB postseason history. Mm. And then you add the offense, which is batting 159 collectively in the first two games. I mean things couldn't have gone worse, Saxy, for this Dodgers team.
2: Yeah, and you know, everybody wants to put some positive spin on it. Of course. There's
3: no positive spin <laughs> on this. Nothing. I'm so, sorry. So
2: far. So far it's it's uh you know, there's not a lot of things that you can point to. You're down two oh you got no offense. You you got no pitching as far as the starting pitching goes. Um, but how fast can things turn around? And you know, momentum. We talked about that yesterday. It's extremely fleeting. Yeah, uh, actually, the the pressure now is on the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, they're they're far and away the the uh, the ones that are supposed to win now. So the pressure, actually, I believe, shifts to Arizona. They're supposed to win now. The Dodgers. <laughs> They've been, they've been knocked down. They're, they got their back to the wall. What the heck? They're going to go out there and see what happens. The Arizona Diamondbacks have got to close these guys out. And the scary thing for Arizona is if the Dodgers come back and win uh, you know, the next game, and now it's 2-1, to one, that's going to put a little bit of, uh, oh, no, in, in the hearts of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I know because I've been there before. And in postseason, that's what happens. Momentum changes so quickly, it's unbelievable. So Dodgers can come back and win this game. The pressure's not on them. They're not supposed to be there now. Um, it'll change the whole, you know, chemistry as far as the uh, the deal with the momentum.
3: It, it We'll find out tomorrow in Game 3, which is going to be sold out at Chase Field. They're already talking about it in Phoenix. Torrey Lavello, last night after the game, said that we are tired of being the underdogs. We are playing that role and we'll continue to play it until people give us respect. He said there's – his quote was like 26, 28 guys. That's all that believe in themselves. Nobody else believes we can win. And they are playing the ultimate underdog role in this postseason, whether it was Milwaukee and going in there and beating the Brewers, a divisional winner in two games, or now going to Dodger Stadium – and beating up on the Dodgers for the first two games, mm-hmm. I, I think this team their pressure is on them in Arizona. Yeah. Well, I don't think Tori Lavelle and some of these young guys care. I don't think they—I don't think they have that feeling of oh no, now the pressure's on us. They—they they, they don't know any better. Well,
2: you know, they're—they're they're human and they're going to feel it. And the great thing about Tori, if you're an Arizona fan is he's not going to let – he's a lot like Dave Roberts in this respect. He's not going to let it get even get there. Mm-hmm. He's not going to even let it get in there where they feel like, ah, oh, my gosh, uh, now what do we do? We lost this game, and now that its uh, momentum is a, b- a bit different. He won't even let it get there, but you know what? Each one of those guys is an individual, and they feel it, and they've got emotions just like everybody else. But uh, for the most part – They're pretty well coached. I know Tory played with him uh, as a member of the Yankees and, um, you know, he's got his act together and he's got a lot of good athletes on that team um but you know this is the dodgers and, and the dodgers have been there before too and they got two guys at the top of the order that can flat out light it up let's just imagine if for a minute mm-hmm. if bets and freeman really start to kick in at the same time Ooh. they can change the whole chemistry of this series just those two guys on the offense so we'll see what happens uh tomorrow
3: coming up later in the show we'll figure out how do they get those guys going and if you're the Dodgers coming up, we'll talk about... It's a good thing, though, that they've already seen Gallant and Merrill Kelly because the Diamondbacks are probably going to go with a bullpen game if they don't mm-hmm. go with Brandon Fought or Ryan Nelson, one yeah. of their young pitchers who I don't think they can really count on right now in a Game 3. And with that being said, if the Dodgers can win Game 3 force a game four, that brings back Merrill Kelly, who has got one win now, and the Dodgers have seen him in game one and have over his career touched him up. That's a good thing, and if they can get to a game five, it'll be the second time facing Zach Gowan in less than five days. So it does set up nicely for the Dodgers and who they're going to face in these three games that they need to win to win this NLDS. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Let's go out to the phones, though. I appreciate you being patient. We've got one line open, Dodger fans, on this Early Tuesday morning. I know a lot of you are angry. A lot of you are frustrated with these first two games. Eight six six nine eight seven two five seventy. We'll start off right here in Burbank. Brian, good morning. Welcome to Saxon in and A.M. How you doing?
4: Oh, great! I always look forward to the two of you each year um, doing this morning show. It's really one of my my highlights. Awesome. And um, you know, I for me, I've been a fan for so many years, and I've seen so many heart. Heartbreak years of the Dodgers. But I think for fans out there, if you do the math, you realize the randomness of these playoffs. And you'll just have to come back to earth to realize the odds are just against teams with the best records uh, winning the World Series. You know, ever since they did the division play in 1969, um, 75% of the teams with the best records made it to the series. Twenty nine percent won the series when they introduced the wild card in 94, 75, 75 uh, percent of the time uh, statistics went down to 50 percent. So in the wild card era. Half of the teams with the best record made it to the series. 25% still won the championship. So for the Dodgers, during this incredible decade-long run they've had, where their winning percentage has been the best in baseball at 61%, three years they've had the best record, 2017, 2020, and 2022. They've won one championship. Now, of course, they should have won the 17th championship too, right? Yeah. But still, I'm just trying to – that's how I, t- I kind of calm myself down, is reading – looking at the facts and just the randomness of baseball. It doesn't make any sense. It's like the are two different seasons. And i just yeah. come t- to the conclusion that you got to enjoy your team during the regular season. And then when it's time for the playoffs – that's like an extra thing. You can't you can't say if they what, how they do in the playoffs has a bearing on the regular season. It's just it's just a, it's just a crazy sport. It, right, Mr. Sachs.
5: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
2: The phone call. You, you nailed it. I mean, absolutely. That was very succinct, a very cogent argument, I might say.
3: I, I I completely disagree with what he said, though, Sachs. Really? I mean, that's great. You win 111 games a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You you get to the postseason and you lose. You you, you win 100 games again Mm -hmm. this year, and they've now won 100 games in a season, four straight regular seasons. Take the COVID year out. Mm -hmm. And they didn't win a championship outside of the COVID year. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you do in the regular season is great. Individually, you'll win MVPs, gold gloves, rookie of the years. Mm -hmm. You'll win Cy Youngs. That's great. But... Mm -hmm. What do you get for for winning 100 games in your division? You get an attaboy, and maybe you get something put in your media guide that says, hey, 2023, we won the NL West again. We can claim it for 10 of the last 11 years. The fact is, it's about winning championships. Yeah. It's about what you do in October. It's it's great what you do to get there, mm-hmm. and that's fantastic. But it's been proven. You can be a wild card team, like the Phillies went hot last year. This year, we're seeing the Phillies hot again. Now we're seeing the Diamondbacks hot. It doesn't matter if you win the division or you're a wild card, you win 100 games, or you win 92 games or 84 games. All that matters is winning championships. Why are we losing sight of that?
2: (laughs) Tim, your argument is well taken. But here's the point that the caller had made. And this is why I agree with what he said, is because the margins of, of difference between the best team in baseball and the worst team in baseball are not as much as you think. Oh, they're all major league players. So they're all, they're all the best baseball players in the world. First of all, um, if you look throughout the course of time, not every year, but almost every year, the worst team in baseball is going to win 54 games. Sure. The best team in baseball is going to lose 54 games. And the last 54 games is where the difference lies. So you're talking about 54 games between the worst team and the best team to, to, to you know divide those up, mm-hmm. and one's going to be at the top and one's going to be at the bottom. It's almost like the Kentucky Derby. How many times you go to the Kentucky Derby and the favorite's out there? The favorite in the Kentucky Derby doesn't win it that much. I, I would say it's probably less than the favorite in baseball wins it. It just doesn't happen. The competition, there's too many things that can happen. Um, and so – it's not like it was years ago when it was, you know, the Yankees or the Dodgers win the World Series every year. It's, it's a different game now. And the margins are so thin between the best and the worst. And so it's tough. It's tough to repeat and become a world champion year after year. And many times the favorites don't do it because there's too many um, variables that come into play. Injuries, guys that are playing at their best at that particular time. What kind of uh you know what kind of course the season has run through and where it's taken this team to now. Are they playing great? Are they playing just kind of in the middle? Do injuries come in and make a factor to it? Mm-hmm. Um those things all matter. And so it's hard to just put a stamp on it. You're the best team and you're gonna win the World Series. It's not like that anymore.
3: I get it. It's a tournament come October and you reset what you did in the regular season. Doesn't matter except for who you're playing based on seedings, but if you were to tell me I got a Dodgers team that's got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, one-two in the lineup, and you can throw in a J.D. Martinez who had 30 home Mm -hmm. runs, a Max Muncie who had 30 home runs, a James Altman who's going to be a top three rookie of the year candidate Mm -hmm. and a bunch of young stud arms and a really good bullpen and a future Hall of Famer. I would tell you I like my chances Mm -hmm. in a five-game series against the team you played 13 times Mm -hmm. during the regular season. The fact that you get to October – and, and Mookie Betts, the last two years, has turned into a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. The last two Octobers, to me, is the biggest question and, and most baffling question I, I can't figure out. And yeah. I, I, I don't know how you get him right before mm-hmm. Game 3. I don't know how this offense flips the switch when over the last you know 18 innings, they haven't been able to do anything yeah. and get those big hits.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Here, here's the way I can kind of sum this thing up. The longer this thing goes, mm-hmm. does anybody really believe that Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman aren't going to be their magnificent selves? I would bet my house on it that is if this thing played out longer and you were able to, you know, uh, have a longer postseason, mm-hmm. these guys are not gonna go 0 for 4, 0 for 4 every game. These guys are gonna tear it up, but it's it's it can they do it in these small amount of games that are in front of them? right now sometimes yes and sometimes no and that's the difference maker right you know as far as this is concerned about the offense those are the main two guys and sometimes the other guys follow you know so it's like a rising tide lifts all ships Mm -hmm. but over a period of time those guys are going to kill it because because they're phenomenal baseball players
3: sexy every other year i would agree with you i'd be like yep yep nodding my head absolutely i'm you're right on eventually they're going to get going offensively but We've seen this movie a couple of times now mm-hmm. in the postseason and most recently last year and we've seen it the first two games. I'm I'm hoping you're right. But I am you, hoping But you still that. like me, right, Tim? Well absolutely, Sach. <laughs> Love you, man. Love you. Uh we'll come back, we'll get to more of your phone calls. We are gonna get to hear from Mookie Betts. We'll get to hear from Freddie Freeman. We'll hear from Max Muncie next hour. We'll hear more from Dave Roberts in the 8 o'clock hour. Nomar Garcia Para is gonna join us at 8 a.m. this morning. We'll get his thoughts on what Mookie and Freddie need to do to get going offensively. He was one of the best hitters of his era. And your phone calls. I get your frustration, Dodger fans. I am right there with you. 866-987-2570. When is Mookie Betts going to get going offensively? When is Freddie Freeman going to come through offensively? And when is the Dodgers finally going to get a starter that can get out of the second inning? 8669872570. Things have gone wrong. Eventually, you think they go right for the boys in blue. And it could be tomorrow. We'll talk about it more. Steve Sachs, Tim Cates, and you. Thanks for being with us on this, well, so far, overcast Tuesday morning here in Long. Hey, guys,
0: it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect like daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
3: No purchase necessary. group void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Los Angeles. I'm about to Talking Dodgers wall to wall here this morning until nine o'clock before we hand things over to Colin Cowherd. Rogan and Rodney will be on at noon. Petro some money at three o'clock. We got exciting Clippers basketball tonight at six o'clock. Tip off at seven o'clock in preseason action as the Dodgers now down 0 2 in this best of five. NLDS. Not much has gone right for the boys in blue. Starting pitching has been a problem. Dodgers' lack of timely hitting has been a problem. And last night SACC, the Dodgers had multiple opportunities. The 5th, 6th, 7th, and the 8th inning, the Dodgers had chances. In the 5th inning, they left runners on 1st and 3rd. In the 6th inning, the Dodgers left the bases loaded. In the 7th inning, Dodgers grounded into a double play to take away the tying run on Mm 1st. In the 8th inning, the Dodgers grounded into a double play to end the inning with a runner on. They had opportunities, but as Dave Roberts talked about at the beginning of the show, you heard him talking post game, his frustration with not taking pitches, not you know swinging at pitches in the zone and chasing pitches out of the zone, and not passing the baton on to the next guy. If you if you're nibbling and you're chasing pitches, you're not doing what you're supposed to do, and you're not having a quality at bat, and that has been a huge problem for the Dodgers in these first two games.
2: Yeah, and uh, it, it's kind of like you have to strike a balance between. All all that logic, which is 100% on it, mm-hmm. and not being timid at the plate. And, you know, so, well, man, maybe I shouldn't swing at that pitch because it's a little bit out of the zone. And should I expand the zone that much and then, you know, not pass it on to the next guy? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, a, it's a fine line between the two because you want to go out there and let your natural ability take care of itself, but you got to be aggressive in your zone, okay? Controlled aggression is a very, very important thing in hitting. And so – when you're chasing out of the zone, you know, pitchers expand it. And you chase another inch, and pretty soon you're in nowhere land. So I understand. I understand the sentiment. You've got to stay aggressive only when it's a strike.
3: We'll hear from Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman after the top of the hour. Let's go out to Mac in Sherman Oaks is joining us here on AM570 LA Sports. Mac, good morning. How are you doing?
4: Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Very frustrated. Um, lifelong season ticket holder, gratefully. Uh, I was there Saturday, and I was there last night. Um, you know, like you guys are talking about uncharacteristic at bats, uh, chasing out of the zone. Um, you know, and it's really something where you guys talk about the, uh, you know, training runners. Um, I think they were one for six last night. Yes. They stranded seven runners, but you know, Diamondbacks played. I mean, played small ball. They bunted three times, moving the. the uh station to station, runners over. You know, it's just something where those those approaches at the plate were real frustrating based off of just, you know, yes, grateful that we get a hundred wins um a season. You know, this is something where and they, they live by the home run, die by the home run. But when you get to playoffs, you gotta play baseball.
3: Yeah, and and but this is the same story from a year ago. We talked about it leading into the NLDS against the Padres last year. And then after losing in four games to the Padres, all the talk all offseason long was got to change your approach come October. Got to have different approaches at the plate. Got to play tighter baseball. You got to manufacture runs. You have to realize it's going to be closer and you can't win games eight to three in October. They're going to be a little closer to that. Pitching's going to be a lot better. You're going to see the best from teams that are playoff caliber. All that being said, the Dodgers come back in the first two games, and it's like a broken record. You know, they're they're chasing pitches, they get guys on, they're trying to swing and hit a three-run home run rather than just move a guy around and you know start chipping away. I think the the big thing for me, Saxy, last night was you're down three to nothing, and Bruce Dark Gradall came in and, and got out of that second inning. All right, mm-hmm. it's three nothing. the 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 damage has been limited to that. But in the bottom of the first, I'll go back to that. Down three nothing, Bobby Miller gives up the three runs. And you come out in the bottom of the first inning, and the second pitch for Zach Gallon, Mookie Betts flies out. Wasn't a great at bat by Mm -hmm. Mookie Betts. The Dodgers in the bottom of the first needed to at least get Zach Gallon's pitch count up, work them. Even if you don't score a run, get something out of it. Make it a productive bottom half of the first inning. They had a runner on in the first, and they mm-hmm. couldn't score. And to me, that was the tale of the, of the game because they needed to chip away somehow, whether get to Zach Allen's pitch count or get mm-hmm. a run to make it a 3-1 game and get yourself some momentum offensively, and they just couldn't do it again.
2: Yeah, Here, here's here's the... Uh, here's, I, I kind of think, the the mindset of, of, against Zach Gallon: Get his pitch count up, mm-hmm. yes, only if he's not going to throw you a cookie. If he throws you a cookie right down the middle of the plate, screw the pitch count. Uh, mm. I'm going to go and barrel somebody up and make them pay for it. Okay, Zach Allen's good enough where he's not going to give you a really, really good pitch to hit, like that pitch that Mookie flied out on. It yeah. was a little bit in, a little bit up, a little bit. Um, you want the aggression, but you want it on your pitch. Okay, But if he throws you a fastball right down the middle, chances are you're going to get one really good, hit, really good pitch to hit per at-bat. And if I take that pitch just to run the pitch count up, then what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be swinging at a 3-2 slider on the black, and that ain't good either. So the most important thing in hitting, and this came right out of the mouth of Ted Williams. He told me this in spring training one time, and I never forgot it. He said the most important thing in hitting, get yourself a good pitch and don't miss it. That's what he told me, and it's that simple. Swing at strikes, and you got a good chance.
3: Dodgers need that approach in game three. Tomorrow night in Phoenix, down 0-2 in this best-of-five NLDS. One hour down, two to go. We'll hear from Nomar Garcia-Para coming up in just a little bit over an hour. We'll hear from Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman after the top of this hour and get their post-game thoughts. How's Mookie feeling? Struggling offensively. And your phone calls. Frustration across Southern California with this Dodgers team. Been there, done that. Won 100 games. Get to October and now down 0-2 to the Diamondbacks in the NLDS. What's going on? 866-987-2570. Your phone calls and so much more. Steve Sachs, Tim Cates, and you on a Tuesday morning here on AM 570 LA Sports.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office.